Hi, my name is Rotendo Nyamuda and welcome to another episode of In My Twenties. In My Twenties. So my voice is a little bit scratchy today, so just be aware that all the singing is going to be a little bit like off key, but that's completely okay because we're all talking about the imposter syndrome and I feel like sometimes I'm an imposter singer, even though I am, but that's a conversation for another day. Um, so really excited to have a really good friend of mine on the show today. And without further delay, here she is. My name is Huiti Mangomo. I am 29 and some change, uh, pretty much quarter to 30 in three months. And I am a public relations manager working for, yeah, I write for a finance company. Not very exciting, but that's me in a nutshell. Now on every episode, there are some beautiful, incredible epiphany gem moments. And this is just one of them. All of my friends and everybody has found their passion. I haven't found my passion. I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing. And I think that was one of the the reasons for my existential crisis. Now, the In My Twenties podcast is split up into three sections. In the first section, we get to hear a little bit about Hoisi's career journey. In the second section, we dive into today's topic, which is all about the imposter syndrome. And rounding up all three sections at the back, we get into what this podcast is all about. People in their 20s and 30s sharing stories of what it was like to be in their 20s and their journey. So, Khoiti, tell us a little bit about your career journey. Like, where did you study? How did you get to where you are now? Uh, tell us a little bit about that. Okay, I studied at Rhodes University. The intention was to do a journalism degree there, um, but I didn't end up completing the journal degree. I ended up leaving with a degree in English language and linguistics. And along the way, I did some drama, did some anthropology, dabbled in sociology. Is yeah, yeah. I pretty much did everything. Did a little bit of French, mm-hmm. um, and that was varsity. And straight out of that, I worked for a small production company for about six months. Um, but then after that, I worked for Escom. Mm-hmm. Yes, Escom. Very strange. But I did that for about a year and a half. I did their media relations. Mm-hmm. Was that during the period of load shedding? Yes, it was. How actually. did you? So how did you respond? Actually, it was. I crawled into a dark hole and I load shed myself. <laughs> <laughs> when people are like where is our electricity where is our electricity <laughs> it's funny because people ask that and it's like but I don't have the switch mm, like mm. I don't have a big switch and mm. you know there's a big chain of command but mm-hmm. I guess it was all in jest but still at, sometimes it got a little annoying and mm-hmm. sometimes you don't even want to tell people where you work um, after that I was unemployed actually for like nine months. Okay. Um, a very stressful and difficult time in my life, obviously. Like, and thereafter, fell into a bit of a deep slump. Um, I think when you're not working, being unemployed is more difficult than being employed. Mm. Yeah, waking up and not having anywhere to go is more difficult than waking up and, you know, going to a job every day. I know how we yeah. always complain about going to work and how tired we are all the time. But being unemployed makes you even more tired. Mm. I don't think people actually realize that and understand that. And then straight into another job after that. Straight into another job after that. A job where I... It was literally a sweatshop. Mm-hmm. My salary was cut in half from what I was earning at ESCOM. Oh, wow. I still had bills to pay. still had my car to pay for. still had yeah, all the debit orders going off sure. and half the salary. So... You know, mm. some months it would be, am I paying for my car mm. or am I going to 
petrol in the car and my you know it was literally a toss-up yeah. as to yeah whoever whatever debit order gets to my money first yeah. then good luck to you you just had to just juggle like, it that was um did you ever take out any like credit cards or anything yes i credit? did okay oh okay. girl because what i found out with like credit cards and stuff is like the debt like compiles like you take out a loan to pay for a loan and you take yeah. out a loan yeah. and it just becomes like the snowball cycle yeah. and you never really get out of it you never really recover like i'm still recovering from when i was unemployed mm. i'm still recovering from all of that and it's how many years has it been now? i think it's been about four or five years mm. and i'm still recovering i'm still paying off those debts wow wow yeah. and people also just don't understand like i think the impact of taking out loans long term like in the short term it seems yeah. like the best idea yeah. but but we also don't have enough education around that's that. the problem mm. there really isn't enough education i think the problem is that there's a study that i read about millennials and obviously their money and the stats are so high that millennials aren't invested because we're obviously paying off our debts mm. and it's historical debts it's you know your first job where you're just like, oh, I have a job now, I can get a credit card. Mm. And you don't realize that you're not even keeping up with the minimum payments. Mm. Like people think if I can just throw in 300 bucks there or whatever amount there, that's not sufficient. Mm. You're literally just paying off the interest. Mm. And then it just becomes a snowballing effect. And that's why you find so many young people at this point now, they can't put money away. They can't afford to save for anything because they're literally just servicing their debt yeah. and it just becomes a you know basic things like saving for retirement mm. can we save for retirement yeah. instead we're being told that millennials have no money because we're out here buying avocados mm. and it's like you don't have a house because you're buying an avocado actually mm. no i'm not you know i don't have a house because i'm still paying for student loans and now i'm here <laughs> with the <laughs> imposter syndrome <laughs> yet again mm -hmm. i don't know what i'm doing uh well, at least I think I don't know what I'm doing. I'm pretty much winging it, but um, it's mm. been seven months, eight months of winging it, mm. and I'm still here. You've mentioned the imposter syndrome. First of all, what is the imposter syndrome, or how do you define it? My understanding of the imposter syndrome is, let's say I am in the position that I'm at now. I'm an account manager, and I write for finance, and I got into this role, I got into this position, and I've somehow managed to convince the people that I work with that I actually know what mm. I'm talking about and I actually know what I'm doing. But the imposter syndrome is that constant fear at the back of your mind that you're going to be found out that you are an imposter. Mm. So you never feel very secure in your skills, in your talent, in your ability. Um, and hence the imposter syndrome. Mm. I am an imposter. I have been faking it. You know, literally sure. fake it till you make it. Yeah. And you're just like, I'm waiting for that day where somebody realizes and calls me out that actually, you really don't know, you really what, you're don't know what you're doing. Yeah. yeah. Because usually it's that internal joke that you have with yourself. You yeah. know, like you're behind your computer, you're like type, 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 enter, send. Lord, please, can it come back with a positive <laughs> response? And it does, and then you're fine. And when it does, mm. you're just like, no, not me. And you downplay it because yeah. you're just like, no, man, I was just mm -hmm. lucky then. Yes. You know, every time you're just thinking that, no, it was luck, it was, it was luck. luck, it was luck. You never actually think that it's, mm -hmm. it's you mm -hmm. You did that. But And then the yeah. one or two times where they do point out something and it's very small. It's yeah. like, 
maybe there was a spelling error or maybe you're double spaced and you're like, oh my word, today is the day today that find out day. that exactly. I shouldn't be here. Exactly. Yeah. And you don't even put up personal belongings at your desk. Mm. You've got nothing because you're just like, <laughs> I'm, I'm waiting. Like, you've got a box there. <laughs> you've got a box because you didn't put the comma and mm. you're just like, okay. Fun. This is where the full stop comes. Yeah, this yeah. is my end. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. But what do you think the the root cause of that imposter syndrome is? I think one of the biggest reasons is that it's a game of comparisons. It's a game of comparisons in the sense that you will look at your colleagues, you will look at the people that work with you, and they have almost like a passion. It's a passion that drives what they do. And with that passion comes confidence. Mm. And I think because you you kind of watch their progression. And you know how people will be in a job for three years. And obviously, if you're in a job for three years, you literally build yourself up. Yeah. Now, if you have been in one industry, you've been in another industry, you've been mm. in a different industry, and you've learned a variety of skills, but you still haven't kind of laid down what your core skill is. You know how... People can, if somebody comes to you and they ask you, Rutendo, what do you do? Mm-hmm. Like, if somebody were to ask you to do something and they woke you up in the middle of the night and said, do this because that's your skill and you know that you're hot at it, mm-hmm. what would it be? You know? I would sing. <laughs> <laughs> I'd sing yes. chandelier. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> you see? And you, you never feel like an imposter when you're singing. No, right? no, not that. It's, you never like you sing with such confidence you see a hot mess no no that's mm. I think that's where it comes from it mm. comes from the confidence that you kind of don't know what your your big thing is like yeah. you're good at a few things but you don't know what your mm. ooh, the this core is, is this yeah. is what I do and I could do it in my sleep and I'm, yeah and I think that's yeah. Well, I know that's where it comes from for mm. me. And I think sometimes the feedback that people get in an office environment is not always positive. Yes. People are quick to point out your failures and your faults and ask if the client all right, but not ask if you're all right or how you're yes. doing in an office environment. So you stop thinking of yourself first and you start thinking, is everyone else okay? Yes. And if everyone else is not okay, then I'm not doing okay. Yes, we know that you're there for them, but you forget that you're actually also giving a service, that mm. you're also a human person that is giving your time, your skills. And it's like, reciprocate that. Like, remind me sometimes that actually, you're really good at that. Mm. Well done. Don't take my being there for granted. And even just coming back to the imposter syndrome, do you think that that's something that also spills into our personal lives? Like, beyond just the work environment and how so? Definitely. Have you ever felt like a fraud? Like, when you go to, like, a party or you know, a gathering or where you're out with people, if somebody invites you to like, or somebody introduces you to their friends mm. and for the first, you know, hour or so, you kind of cower away and you're yes. reading the room and you're kind of, you know, picking up on vibes and seeing who is it that I can immediately go and talk to and mm. not feel like yeah. I'm a fraud. I usually look for the quietest person in the room. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> yeah. yes. Because, yeah, I, I, I really do. It does yeah. trickle into your personal life because Mm. we all have our own battles we all have our things that we're insecure about and I think that is almost our insecurity is a variation of the imposter syndrome it's 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 like it's like sometimes when people give you compliments you don't believe it because you're like 
that's not who I am. Yes. Um, you don't, you don't really know me. No. And if you really knew me, you wouldn't probably, you know, want to engage with me. Exactly. It's like yeah. if somebody tells you, oh my gosh, Rita Indoor, I love that sweater. Mm. And you will tell me a long story about how, oh my gosh, I didn't have any clean clothes. Oh my gosh, this and this. Oh my gosh, I got this when I was 12. And it's just like, dude. Just say thank your you. Your sweater's cute. Yeah. Your sweater's all right. Like, yeah. Just say thank you. Mm. To a certain extent, uh, we were talking earlier about like being adults, and we're on this come up of yes. like being adults, and when are you officially an adult? But it seems like there is a tension point mm-hmm. between being a child, not so much a child, but being a teenager, being a young adult, being a young adult, and, and being, being a grown, a fully adult. fledged adult. And it's like <laughs> I should be doing this, but I still want to party, but I have work, but I have responsibilities. Like, do you feel yourself in that tension space sometimes? All the time. Um, well, now that I'm bordering 30. Mm-hmm. Um, 29, 30. 20, 30, 30, 30. <laughs> I'm 29 and some change. <laughs> and that's in tax. And that's in tax. <laughs> Being an adult, you see, you know these things, that's in tax. And they in your vocabulary. Oh, man. <laughs> but the numbers aren't adding up. If anyone did the calculations, right? they'll be like, <laughs> it's not adding up. Yeah. But yeah, like as a 29-year-old, um, it's it's quite tricky because everybody's now getting married and everybody's got children. All my friends are pretty much, well, not necessarily my friends, but people that I went to school with, people that I went to university with, they're on their two-and-a-half kid now. And white picket fence. Yeah, white picket fence. <laughs> literally, literally saving up for, you know, university, saving up for school. Mm. And here I am on a Monday night and I can literally go to the bar, have a drink, come home and mm. carry on and live. Um, but then it's always that internal struggle that actually, am I really an adult? Yes. Like I don't have the two and a half kids mm. and the white picket fence. Mm. And I'm, am I really an adult? Like yeah. what constitutes an adult? Yeah. I don't even have a goldfish. I have <laughs> no, no, like, the only responsibilities I have are monetary responsibilities. Mm. So what constitutes an adult? Yeah. And I'm also just like, should I slow down? Am I going out too often? Is going out on a Friday and a Saturday too much? Mm. Sometimes on a Sunday, is, mm. it, is it too much? Or are you not going out enough? That's the other thing. Because as you're saying now, you're on the cusp of 30. Yeah. At what point should you... Because you don't want to grow up too soon. That's the yes. other thing. You don't want to find yourself at 40, 50 going, I wish I had... And I'm not advocating going out every single night, but, but remembering that you are still young. I get it. Like, sometimes I'll get into my car and on my way out and I will question myself and think, uh, do you really want to go? Shouldn't you be like, just, you know, just chill at home, just mm. stay at home. But it's also like, why do we make ourselves so old? Mm. Like, why do we put so much pressure on ourselves to have our ish together? And yeah. it's just like, live now. We don't mm. all have the answers. Yeah. What is the most eye-opening or... Um, yeah, what is the most eye-opening thing that you've learned about yourself that you didn't think was true? I think the most eye-opening thing that I've learned about myself is that my inability to say no to people... I've always thought that, no, this is how I was brought up and this is me being nice, this is me being kind. Mm. But over the years, I've actually realized that it's actually detrimental to myself and detrimental to the people that I don't say no to. Um, I've learned that 
I've always prided myself in always wanting to be kind, always mm. wanting to be able to help, always, and I've realized that it's, no, it's not a good thing. Mm. Always wanting to help people, it's not a good thing. Mm. I've always thought it was honorable, you know, mm. to always be there for people. But then it's just like, no, man, that doesn't make sense. Mm. No, you, you don't deserve an award for that. You don't deserve a better for that. You mm. need to learn how to be selfish. Do mm. that, you know? And I always thought that being selfish is a bad thing. Yeah. It really, really isn't. And mm. I've had to learn over the years that sometimes you just actually need to be a selfish person. Like, mm. I don't know what I read. I read it somewhere um, that you can't give from an empty cup. Yes. And so I've had to learn that. That, Kuitsimang, you think that you are Mother Teresa and... You are expecting applause for helping people. No, mm. it, it honestly doesn't work like that. And mm. I thought like it was an honorable thing to constantly be available for people. And it really, really isn't. Because at the end of the day, I am not service. I'm not serving myself. I'm not mm. serving the other people. And, you know, you also become a crutch. So I've learned to say, not I have learned, but I'm learning to say no. Mm. I used to do exactly the same thing, but I think it was... Uh, it was more if I wanted people to like me more. That's the thing. So oh, I would be like, exhausting. yes, I'll do it in, in an office environment. Yes. yes, I'll do it. Yes, I'll go over and above. I'll do everything because I want you to like yes. me. And in my friendships, I could be so tired. Yes. I would have made a commitment to maybe see a friend. But instead of saying, guys, look, tonight I'm not, my, at, not at my best, I will force myself to yes. go out. Whatever you, relationships, people just accommodating people, even strangers I don't even yes. know. I will make sure that you're more comfortable than I'm more comfortable and then everything is fine because for me, I'm like, I can handle it, but I'm not, sh I don't want it I to be awkward. Yes, yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah, no, that's exactly it. It's just like that wanting to be liked and wanting, you know, and wanting to be at peace with everybody and yes. wanting everybody to know that you're in their corner and, mm -hmm. you know, just, I don't know, I, I think I kind of had the idea that if, everybody liked me my life would be peaceful mm. and that I wouldn't have any drama in my life yeah so I've always tried to you know be friends with everybody and if somebody if I felt a bad vibe from somebody I would literally do everything in my head and I still do it yeah I still do it I will do everything in my power mm. for you to like me it's, yeah it's crazy my my personality type is also because I've been doing so many personality type tests this year and one was that like I'm one of those people who need resolution. So if you just stop talking to me out of the blue, I will need to know why you stopped yes. talking to me. And and so me hassling you going, hey, Khoiti, yeah. how are you doing? Hey, what's happening? It's me trying to build up a conversation so that you can say, this is what this, you did. Yeah. Otherwise, I don't, it doesn't sit no. well in my, no. in my, in my no. inners. And also because you want to know, why don't you like, like me? me? Mm. You know, what did I do to upset you? Because we never want to upset people. No. We never want to rock the boat. No. And it, it's exhausting. Mm. It is exhausting. And that's the one thing that I learned this year. Also because I did a personality test at work. <laughs> <You're> the best. <laughs> and everything, you know, everything that they said, I was just like, yeah, mm. you're right. You're right. You're mm. right. Because... <laughs> I remember when we did the personality test. So there were four different types of people. There were the drivers, the analytics, the expressives, and the amiable people. Yeah. So obviously you fill out a test and you don't know what you know what box you'll fit into. Mm -hmm. But you take the score um, and that's how you figure out. And my score was driver. You know, mm. the driver, the go-getter. Mm -hmm. 
I literally was just like, no, sir, I have to take this test again. <laughs> that's I was not me. Just like, that's not me. There's I put my error. hand up and I was like, sir, there's an error. Yeah. And he was like, okay, cool, stand up. And I stood up. And he's like, he asked the people in the group, how many people know Huizimang? And everybody was just like, and then he asked them questions about me. And the answer literally was just like, nope, without a doubt, you are not a driver. You fall in the amiable group, which is, uh, okay. you know, the type of people that are like, if you ask them, what do you want to do? No, whatever you want to do. Exactly. Oh, no. You know, what do you want to eat? No, no you, what choose. you choose. Are you, I'm not even hungry oh, if you're no, not no, hungry. Yeah. Oh, no, what are you drinking? Not, what are what, you drinking? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and I realized that because obviously this personality test was done to see how we interact with each other in the workplace mm. but then I brought it home yeah. I was just like actually you're so annoying <laughs> like I was just like this time, you are annoying like decide make up your mm. mind you're so like scared of rocking the bird and actually being yourself that you're just like this vanilla human that has absolutely no spice no flavor mm. like, make yeah. a decision make, make a, a freaking decision yeah. Yeah. and you know, say yes, say no, say I'm not happy with this, express yourself, yeah. tell people how you really feel, mm. you know, and that, that's exactly what I've yeah. been learning this year. Mm. And, yeah. The best um, personality test I took this year, um, it was about the Enneagrams, mm. and I think there are nine of them, and there's a musician called, everyone should listen to this guy, he's called Sleeping At Last, he creates music under Sleeping At Last and he created a song for the nine Enneagram types. So it's kind of like your your personality, but kind of like your fears and your yeah. hopes and a, and a song. And I've listened to almost everyone and I like cry because I'm like, it's <laughs> I'm so nervous. relatable. Yeah. It's like, um, like, for example, I think the one um, personality type number one is like you have these childhood wounds and you're always trying to strive for things and mm. that um, comes across in your adulthood life. Being a millennial, but yeah. being in your 20s and 30s, which I guess I feel like they merge into one, yeah. is a really trying time of your life. And no one is really speaking. No one is having honest conversations. No. We can have conversations in our back door. But, but that's where it ends. That's where it ends. Yeah. And um, so I, I want to just chat about reflecting on, you said you're turning 30 soon. Yes, November. <laughs> in November. Reflecting on your 20s. What has been the reflection on your 20s? How, how has your 20s journey been? Wow. Uh, literally an actual real-life roller coaster. I have been the saddest. I have been the happiest. I have been the most confused. I have been, you know, the strongest. I have been, you know, the proudest of myself um, during my 20s. It obviously wasn't smooth sailing, but... Mm. You know, I have learned so much and I've literally come out of my 20s a more resilient person, a wiser person, a kinder person, a more understanding person. Um, and by kinder, I mean kinder to myself. I, you know, there's so many expectations of people in their 20s from 21 the expectations begin already you know um 23 you're starting your first job you're getting your first car well this is what people expect of you when you're 23 25 you know you're going up in your career 26 27 you know you've been in a relationship for three years and 
you know, your significant other is going to propose to you. Come 29 comes the wedding or whatever. I don't know. I just feel like everybody else has our lives played out for us. You know, they've got our lives set out for us that we kind of expect to fit a specific mold. And I just feel like we need to run our own races. Um, you need to be kind to yourself in the sense that don't feel that you need to fit into anybody's mold. 20s were a very dark time for me. I was very confused. Um, but I think now I'm a little bit more comfortable in my skin. Not saying that I have all the answers. No, I don't. But um, I'm learning to be a little bit less anxious because I haven't, you know, put so much pressure on myself. And I'm not saying that you shouldn't have goals and you shouldn't have things that you strive for, but don't beat yourself up about it when, you know, things don't go according to plan. I've learned to give things, you know, to the higher being. I've learned to, you know, things that I literally cannot control. I've literally just like put my hands up and said, I've done what I can because I realized that I try to control my 20s. I tried so hard to control my 20s and that was one of the reasons for my frustrations during my 20s was because I tried to control things. Very interesting because in every single one of the podcasts that I've done thus far, the same theme keeps on coming up. Be kind to yourself. Mm. Nobody has, their, has all the answers yep. in their 20s and I think we forget that. We look at everybody else's lives and we're like, especially on social media, so-and-so so is on yeah. holiday, so-and-so is doing this, so-and-so is working here, so-and-so is Christmas party was yeah. lit. But you don't know what happens after the picture or yes. you don't know what happened before the picture. Yes. And even with people getting married left, right and center, you're not in their household. You don't know what they're going through. No. You don't know the struggles no. of yeah. marriage, of having a child, yes. of family issues, family oh. illnesses. There's so much more than, than a picture, than that moment in time that you're seeing. And then tell me, did you ever go through the quarter life crisis? It's one of my favorite topics because I went through so many quarter life. I feel like I'm also going through a quarter life crisis <laughs> this year and I'm not 27. But tell me about your quarter life crisis experience. Oh man, oh man, oh man, oh man. Mm. It was an existential crisis. And not saying that I fully recovered because I feel like, you know, time and time again, I go back into it. Mm -hmm. um, relapse. But, yeah, yeah, I relapse. But this year I was just like, nope, no time for relapse. Mm. But my existential crisis was, what am I actually doing? Like, I haven't, I know all of my friends and everybody has found their passion. I haven't found my passion. I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing. And mm -hmm. I think that was one of the, the reasons for my existential crisis that I don't know what my passion is. Mm -hmm. And I really, really, really want to have a passion. I really, really want to have something that I'm super, super good at. Um, and also, you know, just, no, actually, that was the biggest driver of my existential crisis. That mm. actually, what am I doing here? Mm. Because How I, old were you around then when you had this? I think I was around crisis. 26. Mm. 26. Mm. Yeah, I was around 26 where I literally started questioning my existence on, you know, just thinking, what am I contributing? What am I giving? Am I even making a difference? What is my purpose? Yeah, that has been the great, the biggest, biggest driver of my existential crisis and my quarter-life crisis mm. is figuring out what my purpose is mm. because were I to go tomorrow, you know, yeah. God forbid, but 
would I have made my mock? Would I have served out my purpose? Mm. And so do you feel, um, do you feel like you're still on that journey or do you still, do you, do you feel like you're founded or do you feel like you're on the right path? I feel like I'm still on the journey. Um, not necessarily on the right path, but I'm waiting for, you know, that fork in the road where I actually, you know, mm. find, um, the correct path but I think I'm still on a journey which is why I've pretty much I think this year was like my sabbatical it was my <laughs> working sabbatical <laughs> it was my gap year it was my mental and emotional gap year where yeah. I had to literally just like just take each day as it comes um so I think after this year I will I'll be a little bit more proactive yeah. in finding my purpose. Mm. I just feel like my 20s were constantly go, 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 go. In the sense that um, have a job, have a career, have friends, have family. You know, just having mm. control over everything. And this year was my sabbatical. And after the sabbatical, then I think I will turn up the dial next mm. year. I love that <laughs> idea of a mental and emotional sabbatical. Because that's where you actually pull you. You're in the same setting, but you just pull yourself away for a little yeah. bit. That's what I did as well this year, and I I apologize a little bit, kind of, to certain friends that I just haven't necessarily been there for. It's just this was this year was a, more about me. Yeah. And if I wasn't emotionally in a space to do something, I wouldn't do it. Yes. Or I would just say I'm busy, and that I'm busy was sometimes just me sitting at home and reading. Or sitting at home and just listening to music which or doing fine. nothing. Which yeah. is fine because you need to regroup. Mm. You need to regroup and you can't be yourself. You can't, you know, you can't be Rutendo if Rutendo doesn't feel like Rutendo. You can't be Rutendo to your friends if mm. Rutendo doesn't feel like Rutendo. Because there you go. That's true. syndrome. That's true. Because you're being a fraud and yeah. you're putting on, you know the fake smile and the fake chuckles but mm. deep inside you know you haven't taken care of home you haven't mm. taken care of pretend or, yeah. and you need that so mm. so coming back to our advice what advice do you have like having gone through this imposter syndrome phase and going through your 20s and going through all the changes ups yeah. and downs what advice do you have someone who currently is sitting going I feel like a fraud. Where I am, I feel like a fraud in my business. I feel like a fraud when I go to work. I feel like a fraud among my friends. I'm not the person they think I am. What advice do you have? I think the first step is to identify what it is that makes you feel like a fraud. So if it's in the workplace, it may be because you're comparing yourself to your colleagues who have been in the game much longer than you are. Or it could be that... Um, you know, you're not getting as much praise as you should be. So identify the triggers, especially um, so in your workplace and in your personal life. Identify the triggers because in your personal life, it could be that you are maybe you have something that happened in your past or you have something that you are insecure about and you're not aware of it. And that could also be a trigger. Um, I realized that the imposter syndrome doesn't just appear. There is always a root for mm. it. So take some time out. And when you do find yourself, you know, getting that feeling of the imposter syndrome, look around you and see what it is that's triggering it. 
look around you and see who you're surrounding yourself with in those social environments. Because nine times out of t nine times out of ten in social environments, the imposter syndrome, you know, comes around because you aren't where you should be. Oh my word! Preach, girl, preach. Thank you so much, Hoiti, for coming onto today's show and just being authentically honest. I love all of the quotes. I love everything you mentioned. I loved how you said that, you know, in social environments, the imposter syndrome comes up because you're not where you should be. I think when you're really flourishing in the area of your gifting, there is no doubt that you are, you are who you say you are. And if you wasn't, so why would you say you are? <laughs> and... Sometimes I feel like we go around through life with this mask and we hope that the covering of the mask will be thick enough so that people won't really see the real us. They won't see our insecurities. But let's show up. Let's fake it till we make it, right? We're not imposters. We are ourselves. We are the generation we've been waiting for. Stop cowering around people. Step up. If you're in a work environment, step up, say with confidence, this is what I believe. If you are wrong, be confidently wrong. Be yourself, that's all you can do. Stop following the trends, you are the trend. So, oh, I don't know, I just went off into a beautiful tangent, but I wanted to say thank you so much to Hoiti for coming on and just being authentic and real and strong. Have a phenomenal week and weekend ahead. All right, so we will see you same time, same place next week, Thursday on In My 20s. In my 20s, in my 20s. How old are you? I am, how old are you? I'm in my 20s. 10 plus 10 is 20. 5 plus 5 plus 5 plus 5 is 20. 2 times 10 is 20. Wow, wow. Okay, there's a lot that's happening. I don't even know why I switched to maths. Okay, we'll see you next week. Okay, bye.